0: Four great vows or four bodhisattva vows are one of the most common sets of verses throughout East Asian Buddhism, Buddha Dharma in China, Korea, Vietnam. Japan, among all different types of groups. Also, there's versions of it in Mongolia and Tibetan Buddhism. When I first encountered it, it was in a Zen group where we chanted it in Japanese or Sino-Japanese. In other words, chanting the characters in a Japanese form of pronouncing Chinese. So that was easy. Shujo, muhen, seigando, bono, mujin, seigandan, omon, murio, seigang, gaku, butsudo, mujo, se Ganjo. And we really didn't have to look at the various meanings or possible meanings of the text. And throughout East Asia, they do that. Each of those countries that I mentioned just pronounces the Chinese characters um, in their own particular way of pronouncing it. As I said yesterday, the... Um, Vows can be traced to uh, China, to Yi, uh, who is the founder of the Tiantai uh, tradition. It's based on the Four Noble Truths. Now, when we start translating into English, which is what we do in America, and in Europe, they probably translated it into other languages. Then we start having different ways of articulating it, but at the same time, it helps us to look more closely at what is this vow? What are these vows that were daily, sometimes many times a day? chanting, reciting, stating these are our vows. So, I'll start with looking at just a few of, actually more than just a few, many different translations of the first line, because I'm going to do this line by line. So, beings are numberless, I vow to save them, or beings are countless, I vow to save them all. Or even more immediately, however innumerable be however innumerable beings are, I vow to save them. However innumerable, which emphasizes even more. Again, different forms, beings, some some emphasize sentient beings. Um some other uh, versions, living beings are incalculable. I vow to deliver them, deliver them, save them, liberate them, many different forms, Um another masses of creatures without bounds. That's an even more elaborate. So since I want to do it line by line, I I won't go further, but each day I'll look at different versions of how to articulate that. Because, one, it's important to see the struggle of what, how to turn one language into another, but also to start seeing what is it we're saying and what... Do different versions um, emphasize? So, of course, the most basic thing is that all of these vows on the face of it seem to be un, not possible in the way we normally think of it. You're vowing to save or liberate numberless beings, meaning you will never come to an end of numbers, ever come to an end of fulfilling your vow. Um, Nevertheless, we make this vow even though the number of beings are incalculable. So what is it we're vowing when we say we're going to save them. Even more, how dare us say I'm going to save someone else. What does that mean? What do I have? What do I know? What do I claim that I'm going to save? What is saving? That's important um, so that this doesn't seem like a presumptuous something much less a presumptuous something that we're imposing on someone else. Um, Nevertheless, this term save or liberate is the most straightforward of what this is about. And yet, and yet, when we say such things, in a way, in... Buddha Dharma. We have lots of problems with such statements about saving. I'm sure some of you have seen texts where, when a Zen or Chan master is asked about saving, he picks up his stick or or rings a bell or, and leaves it at that. Some even will make more discursive statements. Now we all know, or you might not know, but it's a well-known statement. Mm -hmm. One way to articulate the Buddha's awakening is that he, upon awakening, said, I and all beings of the great earth together have attained the way, have been liberated. So right there, the Buddha already began by saying, we all have been saved together with this awakening. Now that articulation, of course, is a, Articulation in one of the later sutras, but nevertheless, later texts, it's there. Pai Chang, some of you might be familiar with the Chan Master Pai Chang in the um, end of the Tang Dynasty, beginning of the Sung, says, quote, Saying that the Buddha appears in the world and saves sentient beings are words of the incomplete teaching. Anger, joy, sickness, medicine, all are oneself. There is no one else. Where is there a Buddha appearing in the world? Where are there sentient beings to be saved? As soon as we, close quote, as soon as we have ideas of people who need to be saved, others who I will save, even the idea that there's something lacking in someone to save, we've created great difficulties in our life. And yet, and yet, Another more modern teacher in our lineage, Yasutani Roshi, said fundamentally such matters as saving sentient beings is bodhisattva delusions. Where are their sentient beings to be saved from the pits of hell to the top of the Buddha realms. There isn't even a single deluded sentient being. Sentient beings are originally Buddhas. All are nothing but the Tathagathas of pure gold. Is there any saving to be done? Some of you might be familiar with Hakuin's saying Um, sentient beings are primarily all Buddhas. It is like ice and water. Outside of water, where can we find ice? Outside of sentient beings, where do we find Buddhas? All sentient beings are primarily Buddhas. So what does that mean? What do they mean by that? Nevertheless, the Buddha, in a text, talks to his disciples, as you might know, in uh, much of the season, the Buddha's disciples would travel. They didn't stay in a single place except during the rainy seasons. The rest of the time, they were always traveling mendicants, often alone, sometimes with one other. So the Buddha says, Go forth, this is a quote from the sutras, Go forth for the good of the many, the happiness of the many, out of compassion for the people of the world, for the good and happiness of gods and human beings. Let not two of you take the same road, so that the greatest number of people will be exposed to the teaching. There are in the world those whose eyes are covered by little dust. Yet because they do not hear the teaching, they are far from the truth. If they hear it, they will thoroughly understand the truth. And I too will go to the village of Sena in Uruvela there to preach the teaching. Close quote. And as you know, probably... The Buddha spent his whole life after his awakening wandering through the Indian subcontinent, always a mendicant, so always dependent upon begging and receiving food from others to eat. And what he would do, he would beg for food and those who came out which was a venerable tradition in the Indian subcontinent and when those those who came out he would respond for those who wished would give Dharma teaching maybe a short words maybe longer if he sat down after his meal and people gathered around him he would Respond to their questions, but essentially he would wander throughout, and then of course, sometimes by himself, sometimes with an attendant or several attendants, which is one of the reasons why we have so many different Buddhist texts, um, because at each place he wandered, there was people who heard different teachings according to the circumstances, according to what was asked, according to what was appropriate for those who were there. So, all of this business, what is this saving? What is there to be saved and what are we to be saved from? Now, in one sense... Saving is very simple in the sense that, as you all know, caught in self-centered dream, only suffering. That's, in a sense, the practice principle focus on what saving is about it's about the suffering that people experience as their life and what is needed to be able to address that now in once st- in continuation of this The whole idea of bodhisattva is saying, whatever my practice attainment is, I know that it's all in the service of liberating all who I encounter, all circumstances that I encounter, where there's suffering that's being caused, I caught in self centered dream, which is why we start with that as our counterpoint to beings are numberless, I vowed to save them. Beings are numberless, or living beings are incalculable. I don't do it because I've got something more but because my very life practice of myself and others is I vow which is the intention and the energy to save. And in a way when we meet other beings we're only meeting ourselves. In fact the countless beings we meet is also ourself in every form, because every day and every hour, and actually every moment, if we look closely and we're present, we discover we are another being. It's not that there's beings out there only to be saved, but we ourself, whether it's being caught in a story about someone else or being caught in a story about our yesterday or last month or tomorrow or what I'm concerned about, what I'm worried about, what I shouldn't have to put up with, what my condition is, and you could fill in further, the countless beings that we are, the countless beings that we are, our practice requires of us to vow to liberate the attachment and the caught-upness in this moment. Because, otherwise, it entangles suffering and more suffering, entangles all sorts of difficulties. So, this vow isn't just for so-called other beings who I am better than and have something to do, but every being I encounter, I also encounter myself in myriad forms. And each of those is my practice, my vow, to liberate. And liberate means not to do something to get rid of, but to liberate the caughtness. And to liberate the caughtness might be as simple as letting go easily the mind chatter, might be as difficult as experiencing this terrible pain that my whole body shakes with, and yet the task of this moment being is to experience that. Or it might be being with someone, not someone else, but someone. You could say someone else, but as long as we don't hold on to that, Where my reaction to that, to them, to what they're doing, what they're saying, how they are, is so terrible that I want to turn away. And yet my practice is not turning. Not turning. Of course, in the... Zen tradition and in other traditions we have many examples where people served others whether in particular ways taking care of others' needs I could list many but it's not important to go through them except that of course for many people that practice might have been treating the ill treating collecting food for those who are hungry might have been in well i'll give a few examples there was a zen nunnery that was founded in order to become, this was in the 17th century, um, as a place for women who were abused and abandoned in um, Japan, or um, someone building bridges and irrigation canals when there was flooding Um, among villagers or I could go on but that's not important Um, the point is of course that kind of saving is important and is valuable but that's a saving according to circumstances that are immediate and are calling to us we have examples like Mother Teresa say saving by simply treating the ill, treating the dying, being with those who are dying. The saving has nothing to do with fixing them, but willing to give ourselves away to being with them. In a way that's always how we save the whole universe by giving ourselves away to the present moment to the present countless beings that are manifesting right now right now (coughs) excuse me even though even though I might have reactions even though I might be caught up in self-centered dream. Even though I might experience suffering, and yet I vow to be that suffering, not because there's something good about it or bad about it, but just because that's the result of cause and effect this moment. My life or the life of myself and others. So the practice points have to do with how do we manifest a vow. Saying a vow with words is one thing. Living a vow is a whole different thing. Living a vow means the vow begins to live us. And it's not something we have to figure out with our head. So in one sense, we can say, doing Zazen is the first step in embodying a vow. In embodying the vow of beings are numberless. I or we doesn't matter how you translate it, of course, it could be said both ways. Vow to save them means I vow to embody them. Beings are numberless means suffering will arise in myriad forms. Caughtness is inexhaustible, is countless. No matter how Numer, innumerable, how innumerable the arising of suffer of entanglement is, I vow to save, liberate, be experiencing this in the midst of this suffering. Now, of course, each of these vows, are connected to the others. So, in one sense, beings are numberless, I vow to save them, is another side of delusions are endless, or defilements are inexhaustible, or passions are inexhaustible, or afflictions are infinite, Nevertheless, all those, and I'll get to talk about that tomorrow, all that is connected to the first and then the vowel again. And that's the, the form of this four-part vowel, this is um, in the original Chinese. Let me get to that. It starts, as I said, um, I have that here. Shujo, muhensa, there it is. So, um, the first is, each one is without end. um, So the first word is will be, let's say, beings. Or the second one will be delusions or desires or... um, afflictions, or uh, I'm looking at different translations, defilements, and then the next word is without, without end or without limit. So it's no end, no limit. So that's the way it goes. And then the Dharma gates, no uh, no end, so infinite. And and then Sagan means I vow or we vow. Or vow, literally, and then what it is you vow to do with them. First, with beings, you vow to save them. Delusions, vow to cut through them, or um, put an end to them, or eliminate them, or all the different ways. So, we don't appreciate that if we don't do it in the original because, well, I suppose we do because even in English we have that aspect of we vow or I vow, I vow, I vow Um, and vowing is something interesting uh, because it's a commitment even though we don't know what it will entail it's a commitment Even though we could imagine only a little bit, but as we go on, we discover all the more ramifications of it, some of which we might want not to do, and yet the vow has a power and energy that enables us to go beyond what we think we want, what we think we're capable of, what we think... We should have to do what we think makes sense, what we think, and then we could add on. That's the important part of vows. That's why the Bodhisattva's vow, Bodhisattva, which itself is about a vow, being a Bodhisattva means, I mean, if we sum up in one sense, means vowing to put off one's own liberation in order to be able to serve all other beings and enable them to go beyond their suffering before one does it for oneself. So... Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. I vow... Save is most, the word that's mostly used to translate, which is interesting. Or deliver them. Deliver and save is not so different. Um, liberate, not so different. It's, it's very clear that it has to do with Suffering and an end to suffering. And especially, as I said, this is connected to the four noble truths and the first noble truth has to do with suffering. Caught in self-centered dream. So that's, the saving is from that or liberating is from that. And the fact that that's for all beings is what's most difficult to be with. And yet that's what we start with. Okay. This is going to be a continuation day by day. So there's going to be points that of this that come back up the next day and the next day. But I'll stop now and see if there's something that I've raised that you want to look at further. If you want to change positions, please do. Yes, Museki don't say that here because in part Joko felt that saying that sounds very grand and wonderful but people couldn't make any real sense of it in their life you could say ah beings are numberless i vow to save them but then what how do you practice with that what do you do with that in your life practice so she felt it was important to rearticulate it into a way where you could see your immediate practice on the cushion, off the cushion throughout your life and see how what your practice with that is. So if you point more directly, caught in self centered dream, that we could it doesn't might not sound so grand as beings are numberless, I vow to save them. It might not give you the feeling of Oh, I'm gonna do this wonderful thing, but you can more immediately see what you where and what you need to do, how often that comes up in your life. So that was her one of her reasons for doing that. Occasionally we do say it I I do in in terms of various um, activities, but you're right. There's only so many things we could say. We could chant that in the morning and then four practice principles in the afternoon and in the evening, but we don't, and uh, sometimes have to make choices. Yes, Theo. Yeah, um,
1: this actually connects a little bit with what you just said. Uh, but the word save in English has a lot of baggage,
0: uh-huh, a lot yes. of religious, specifically religious and Christian baggage, Yes. which also is perhaps a problem, and it also, as you were just pointing out, carries this sense of, well, you know, you can have quite a grand old time thinking of yourself as saving lots of people, you know, uh-huh. uh, there's a certain
1: danger of... Well, ego investment in
0: that yeah. too. Putting yourself up and putting other people down, or even putting yourself down and saying, Oh, I'm going oh. to save you, I'm going to save you, I'm doing all this wonderful things for you, but still what is there is very strongly the idea that you know, there's someone who needs saving and I'm gonna take care of them. Yes. And and Please, everyone know that I'm doing it because I'm going to say it many times a day. So you'll know I'm a real saver, or liberator of people. So, it's valuable to be aware of it and at the same time, the other side, which I articulated earlier, that there's no one to save and no one that needs saving. (coughs) And then no one... Who is being saved. See this is. In a way this is always the jewel. That is our life. And yet we polish it. Though it gains nothing. By being more polished or less polished. It's always the jewel. Already saved. Already liberated. And yet. See that's why. We'll get to that. At the end. I've got to have a. Four talks, so I've got to leave some things. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> I won't have anything to say, which maybe will be better. <laughs> uh, uh, my my throat uh, will say. feel better. Yeah. Yes.
2: I've got another Shell gas station. Story? Experience. <laughs> I was there the other day with Henry II, my uh-huh. car, and... I had my credit card out. I just about had it in the slot. And this young man came up to me, He, he like in his 30s, and he says, Ma'am, I want to pay for your gas. My goodness. He says, Do you believe in God? And, he, and I think he had his credit card already in. And there was a moment in my head where I thought, should I lie? <laughs> And then I remembered in Joel's book, lots of times she would say the word God to me, Buddha nature, and, and you know, um, his idea of God and maybe mine would be different. And I said, yes. Well, he filled my tank. <laughs> and then he said to me, uh, I want to heal you. He says, tell me where you hurt. Well, my foot hurts and he got down on the ground with his two hands and he said a prayer over my foot and, and it was beautiful yes. you know he could save me and and I could be a bodhisattva just like he was just receiving his saving <laughs> he gave me a name but i'm not going to tell you okay <laughs> thank you, <laughs>
1: he gave you a name. Yes, he did.
0: in other words she doesn't use the me, name of the people so that it oh, remains anonymous.
2: Yeah, so oh, I told oh, him absolutely. my name. <laughs> I, it. I, you know, <laughs> I gave you a name. I oh, you thought me. A, I got to tell my name. <laughs> <Don't>, no, no, <laughs> no. I
1: have a very you. unformulated question. I apologize. <laughs> but the question is, to, to distill it down into one word, the question is why. Why? What? Why? Why would I vow to liberate all beings? What's? What's? No, hold on. I know you can go. <laughs> I, I know you can go a long way with that. <laughs> and we can think of reasons. I mean, this. This. You know, out of my own head, I'm making up a story. And I want that understood. Mm-hmm. This nice gentleman that came up yeah. to Heidi. You know, he was. Let's imagine. That he was doing this as a pathway for himself to be to go to heaven or to be closer yeah. to God or whatever it might be. And you might say, "Well, that's kind of a selfish sort of thing." Or what Theo brought up: yeah, "I want people to see how good I am. I don't want to just give away money to charity. I want to advertise in the paper that I'm doing it." In a way, that's a selfish thing. Yeah, but. How different is that than doing it in secret and achieving the same end? To, to, to me, vowing to liberate all beings, it's a, it's a nice thought. It seems impossible. It's a nice challenge. We can look at it in various ways and say, well, like the Buddha said, the way he liberated all beings was to become liberated mm-hmm. himself. You himself. Know, we can look at it in all these different ways but when I when the question why that I ask myself about these kinds of things not just this specifically these kinds of things is it expresses a fundamental reality or truth or whatever better word than that is about human nature that we really can't express so we try and express it in these ways that's a, I'm sorry that's not a very good question
0: if Others are suffering, and I feel their suffering as my suffering, and I am therefore naturally open to relieving it to the extent I can.
1: Yes, exactly. And that.
0: So that, in a sense, is simply a reflection of the connectedness that I feel with beings who I encounter who are unhappy who are suffering, who are, or as the Buddha says, whose eyes are covered by little dust, and if they can hear something, they will understand the truth. Yeah,
1: that, see, I think if I had to put it in lame, layman's uh-huh. layman terms, um, I would say what the Buddha discovered was a fundamental truth that was always there about... Yeah? About... Uh, what the Buddha discovered was not something new or different than we all experience every moment of our lives. He just experienced it in an unadulterated, clear way. That we complicate and overlook and, and paint over the colors that we like and don't like. Um, and what, what these... I guess I'm repeating myself now. Um, what these vows and the practice principles really do is give us an opportunity to express and experience a fundamental truth of the physical, biological reality that, we, that we're a part of, that we're not separate
0: from. And you can say it
1: in all these different ways.
0: Even though there's no one to be saved, I still am making the effort to save without believing that anyone will be saved and that anyone needs saving because everyone already is fundamentally saved that's that's
1: the buddha's awakening was that hey you know, it, it's already thus it's already this way we just need to plug into that become aware of that
0: we don't even our eyes to that. we don't even need to and yet we do it
1: and yet we <laughs> so we make these vows
0: well that's, and yet when we need the vows, the vows are there for us to make use of. Because caught in self-centered dream, we suffer, others suffer, others are harmed. But see, in a way, this connects with the next one. All these four go together. So, you know, I'm doing something artificial by talking about the first without talking about the second, third, and fourth at the in the very same breath. But since I have to talk in bits and pieces, I'll do it in bits and pieces.
1: You remember one time that a group, that some people of the Springfield group asked you you were going out to visit Joko. Yes, before she passed away, and we said, "Oh, ask her if we can come out and visit her, meet her." Uh huh. And so you said, you what? So you came back and we said, what did she say? And you said, she said, why? Uh-huh. Which was one of the best teachings. A single word. Uh-huh. That's a word we need to use a lot. You know, I feel this way. And not uh-huh. why in terms of evaluation, but why in terms of embracing and a direct connection with what
0: am I believing?
1: What am I mm-hmm. seeking? What are my intentions?
0: Uh-huh. Et okay, I'll shut up. Good. Good, <laughs> I'll shut up? <laughs> no, okay. good, since good you, you did, said what you said is good and I'll just <coughs> add, since there isn't a single being who needs to be saved, therefore we can vow to save <laughs> them all. <laughs>
2: right. <That's another> good.
0: <laughs> Thank you.